Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Turn with me to Mark chapter 15, verse 34. Mark chapter 15, verse 34. I am so excited to be here. I love the energy in the building. That's what you call the Holy Ghost. How many of you love a spirit-filled environment? We had a great crowd this morning, nearly 300 people in our first service, and now we've got hundreds already in the second one. It's not full, but it's, it's still a good crowd. And, and children, your children are learning right now, and your children are learning the same thing we're teaching you now. And I'm going to prepare you ahead of time. If you have children in children's church, be prepared because we've asked them to ask you questions about what you learned today. How we're doing this, we are equipping the entire spectrum to grow the family because a lot of people don't know how to have conversation in their home about the Word of God. Well, we are here to help you. We are here to help you. Someone say, God bless my family. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I want to explain this for you, to you just a moment because this, what most people don't really understand is the, the moment that Jesus died, God did not die. God cannot die. God is a spirit. But in that moment when Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? What that was was the body of Christ Responding to the extraction and the departing of the Spirit of God, forsaking Him that He could pass because God can't die. Now, if you understand this clearly, it's the concept of the fact that Jesus had another assignment. The scripture says that Jesus at that moment went down to hell. Now, there's a deeper understanding to that and if you really want to fall in love with Jesus to understand what he did for us he didn't go to hell just to go grab some keys and come back up here in his body Jesus how the keys were taken Jesus went to experience hell for you and I if Jesus went through hell on earth he went through hell itself he experienced the crucifixion the lashings That is hell, folks. That is tough. But not only that, everything bad in his life he had to experience was for you and our benefit. So so you wouldn't have to go to hell. He went there for you and escaped, taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave, the grave part through his resurrection. When he was resurrected, there was so much that took place. But when he died, The flesh died. Watch what happened. When he cried out, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he's calling Elijah. Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come. To take him down. And Jesus cried aloud with a loud voice, cried out with a loud voice, and breathed 
his last breath. And we know what he cried out. He cried out, it is finished. When he said that, the Spirit of God withdrew. The body died. But as the body died, simultaneously, what we have to recognize in verse 38, then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him said that he cried out like this, that when he cried out like this and breathed his last breath, he said, truly this man was the son of God because he heard the earthquake, the rumble. And what we're going to recognize today that in this process of having a spirit-filled home, what that veil represented and what it does for us now and what God has done for us individually. There is a correlation here. Everything you read about in the Old Testament had to do with Jesus. Jesus sat down with his disciples in Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49, and explained to them everything that the prophets and the law of Moses and the Psalms wrote concerning him. Jesus came to set us free. He came to rip the veil. This Sunday morning, we're going to be talking about ripping the veil. Ripping the veil. Can you just bless this moment one more time and say, Jesus, I receive every word that you have. I pray right now, God, that you just help my family, help me grow, help me take this, what I've learned, and apply it to my life. In Jesus' name we pray, and somebody say, thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody say, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap just one more time because, because he's honorable and worthy of it. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. Thank you for joining us online and being in person with us. We're so happy that you are here. I want you to look at your syllabus and open it up to the history of the tabernacle. And as you look at this slide here that we have, I'm going to explain something to you to begin with. As you look at this, number one, that first segment of the tabernacle, the building, was called the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ark of the covenant was number two ark of the covenant this represented the presence of god some of you know this but just take it in review and understand that this is exactly what god intended us to learn to implement under a new covenant this was an old system this is what god gave to moses as a system to put in place that his people israel may have favor and find victory in their life and provision, every good blessing from God. The reason why they won the battles was because they had this place of worship in their midst and had the presence of God, and they obeyed God. In that Ark of the Covenant was the tablets and, and the manna and the rod of Aaron, who was the first high priest. And there's so many things to this that you're going to hear about in this semester but, but the thing I want you to recognize is that in that other room right next door, the holy place at number four. Number four, the holy place, that's where the priests would come in and they would fulfill the responsibilities of keeping the menorah or the candles lit. And there's an understanding for that we're going to teach you on. You don't want to miss. And then there's the altar the altar of incense, the burning offering. I mean, this is exactly where, at number five, 
this incense that had to be lit, had to give off a fragrance 24-7. It couldn't stop. Many believe this was a type of prayer where Jesus also said, men always ought to always pray without ceasing. Everywhere, with holy hands lifted up to God. This is a kind of a, 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 a talk that relates to the priesthood. And in that holy place is where the priest would go. And in the shoe bread, the table of bread. So the one area, the most holy place, was the area that the high priest would enter into alone. Then he would pray and intercede for the people. But what was done on the other side of the veil was for the priest. And those priests would carry out the daily routines that had to be done. Everything laborious, everything from the blood on the altar at number 10. From washing themselves as well before they entered into the holy place at number 9. This was all the side of the priest. Ironically now, since we've been born and saved, the scripture says that you and I have been made priests. And this represents a lifestyle, and we're going to explain it later. But what we want to hit on is that line right there, number three, that veil. What was it that separated the most holy place representing the presence of God from the priest that only allowed one person to come in one time a year. If you look back further, you'll find out that there is one thing that separated men from God's presence. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. The secret to everything you'll find in the rest of the scripture originates mostly in the book of Genesis and even in creation. You'll find a pattern there, and it will begin to unfold, and you'll find reasons why God did what he did. But in this case, Adam and Eve failed, and they sinned. And there was immediately, immediately after they had sinned, there was a line drawn. God put an angel in the garden so they could not come to the tree of life anymore, lest they would be damned for eternity. It's in the Bible. Some of you just went, oh, my God, Pastor Bobby. God had to separate them from his presence and eternal glory and his eternal life, the tree of life. How many of you know that Jesus is also called the tree of life? But because of sin and the human nature, that's what separated them. And then on the other side of the separation, what was good for them before, where, where they had an environment where, I want you to think about this, they had an environment where everything around them produced for them out of pure favor because the atmosphere was set just right. It was free of sin. Everything. The scripture says that after they sinned, the ground brought up thorns and thistles, choked out the bread that they would produce, the wheat, the harvest. They would have to, now they would have to deal with snakes. They would have to deal with beasts. And they would have to deal with relational problems because they had children. And one of their children, one of their sons, Cain, killed Abel. And then you can see the repercussions of this happening. This is what happened. And ever since then, God has been trying through this system 
to reconcile men back to him. But there's always been that one line of division. And the reason why men could not enter in is because God is a holy God. And because of his tender mercies, he knows that if we were to ever enter in, the presence of God and his power and purity could never, ever allow something tainted to touch it because it's dangerous. This is why Uzzah was struck down when he touched the presence, the Ark of the Covenant, while transferring it from the Philistines. It just wasn't made to be. The only way I can explain this is, have you ever seen a bird on a high line, on a power line? That bird up there on the power line, it doesn't get struck down by the electricity that's flowing through that line, right? Because it's not connected to the ground or to the earth. But you, I promise you one thing, you put a ladder up on that line, it's going to strike something. The earth. It's the earthen vessel and the sinful nature that causes judgment to come in when we enter in with sin. And the only way God can do away with that was separate us from our earthen nature, our earthly nature, and make us pure by the blood of Jesus that will cause us to inhabit the presence of God without judgment. Somebody say, thank God for the blood. Did you just catch what I just told you? I drew you a picture in your mind so you can understand that when we are free from this old nature in this world and we sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, it's a place of power and authority. And that power and authority flows into our life through the kingdom of God or through the spirit of God. And when we begin to surrender to the purpose of God and the will of God, then you'll understand it. But there's one thing that separates us from that most holy place where the high priest was, who was a type of Jesus. And that veil, which represented the veil, which was your human nature, because here's what I'm going to show you. I'm going to read you scripture. And the priest was you. So there was this division. But isn't it amazing how, watch this. Just listen, because I'm going to confirm everything I said with the word of God. Don't ever believe anything somebody tells you about the Bible unless you can prove it or they can prove it through the word of God. The reason why we give you these things as well so you can go home and see for yourself. We want you to study this. But I'm going to show you the miraculous act of God in the earth when the life and the body, when the life was withdrawn and the body was taken, there was a judgment that took place. And there was an act of God corresponding to that moment on Calvary. Do you think it was coincidence that the veil in this temple right here, that that veil in the temple, the one thing that kept us separate in the eyes of God from his holy presence was ripped from top to bottom. It wasn't, by the way, from the bottom to the top. And meaning that only God can do this act. So it was from the top to the bottom. It was from heaven to earth. Heaven responded, split the veil, and tore down the middle wall of partition. Because the veil in the body of Christ that now kept us separate from what was inside of him was now done away with. Because what was in Christ was fixing to be poured out into the world. Oh, did you catch that? There's a lot of meat on this bone. I'm just telling you this morning, catch it because 
You're here to grow and understand what has taken place in your life and what's transpiring. You're getting educated by the Spirit of God and the Word of God to mature you, to grow you, and help you understand. If there's ever been a separation from God, it's our sinful nature. But when Jesus went to the cross, he did away with it, and our sins were forgiven, and now we can have right to enter in, and our lifestyle is one of a priest. Where we stay in prayer, and we, 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 we live life with gratitude and recognize everything that God has done for us, and we walk with the light of God, and we understand that God's Spirit has avenues. You see, the Scripture says that rivers of living water, not just one river, but rivers of living water flow out of your life. There's multitude of streams that come out. There's no limitation to what God can do. When you and I begin to look at this, then we get to understand a little bit clearer that Jesus did away with the veil when he gave up him his own self. When God sent his only begotten son into the world, what he actually had planned was to take away the partition. Because God has always wanted us to be in his presence like Adam and Eve were. Living in a place of, you can have a place of innocence back in your life. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter if you were bound by drugs. It doesn't matter what kind of lifestyle you had. It doesn't matter who and what you worship. But when you come to Jesus, he now delivers you and sets you free from an old life. And now you have the privilege of entering into his presence anytime you desire. And you are called a royal priesthood. That's amazing. But when we give our life to Christ, our veil is taken away. I said it, our veil. And it opens up the door. I want to read this to you. 2 Corinthians 3 and 10 says this. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 10 says, In fact, this is Paul speaking, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. This is speaking of an old covenant and a new covenant. See, the covenant was the agreement and relationship that God had with Israel in the Old Testament and the system in place, the law, the tabernacle, the system. God came to establish a new system through Jesus. So if the old way, which has been replaced, if you want to learn more about that, sign up or come for the next workshop. Which has been replaced was glorious. How much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives such confidence, how many of you have ever felt the confidence of Christ or the confidence of God come to you when you were saved, when you were born again. Have you ever felt that new confidence come in? Your identity began to be established. You're free from judgment. You're free from condemnation. You're free from guilt, from shame, from all things. Your confidence comes. We can be then very bold. We are not like Moses. Watch this who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel could not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. That's the moment when 
Moses went up on the Mount of Zion. Mount Zion. You remember when Moses went up into the cloud and he was praying and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. And then again, back to back another 40 days and 40 nights. He came down from the presence of God. And when he had the glory of God, his face was shining, but he put a veil over it to maintain and to keep it from shining on the people of Israel. And so that veil was on his face, but the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, the old covenant is being read, and the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. What does that mean? That veil that was there was the representation of a former glory that God had under an old covenant. And God had Moses step out with the veil over his face to me in a prophetic way to say that it was going to fade, but they could never see it because the veil was there. This was symbolic. It was a lesson God was trying to teach. And he begins to say, now even the old covenant is still being read. And the veil still covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. What is the truth? That's Jesus. Truth is not a thing. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it is God's will, if you read the scripture, even the apostle Paul said, my prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. We need to pray for Israel, not just for their peace, but also for their salvation that they may come to know Jesus Christ. Thank you for the golf clap. Did you not know that now we are a new body made up of Jew and Gentile? That everybody needs to come to Christ? Everybody, Jesus did not die just for the Gentile. Jesus came to save the Jewish nation also through a new covenant. And when you look at this, this makes perfect sense. But listen to what it says. Yes, even today, when we, they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. They do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, have you had the veil removed? Anybody, have you had the veil removed? So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. In other words, you understand and now you can show the whole world the presence of God through your disposition and your life. You're not covered with the veil. God removed it. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Why? Because you know that veil that was there between the most holy place and the, and, and, and the holy place? When Calvary came, it was removed. 
so you and I can be transformed. And if it wasn't for the blood, we would have never been able to enter into that place. But thank God Calvary came and the Lamb of God was slain. And we pledge our allegiance to the Lamb of God. And we worship him and honor him and are so grateful for him. And because of that kind of love, God loved us so much he sent his only begotten son into the world. The most powerful message in the world is Calvary and what Calvary has done. But an even more powerful message is that the kingdom has come because the veil was ripped in two. The kingdom of God was displayed in his glory and his power in this life. And now you and I are here representing God. The veil could represent anything in your life, that old nature. What separates us from God is an old nature, flesh, humanity. But when you receive Jesus, it's done away with. So you have the right to put the veil up or the choice to let God take the veil down. But until you decide to surrender completely, until we all decide to surrender completely, we will never see God's full potential for our life. You are now the temple of God. You are now God's holy temple. The spirit of God abides within you. And now you are made priest. And Jesus is our high priest. Forever after the order of Melchizedek. Eternally entered into the heavens once. And now he makes intercession for us. Not just once a year. But every day of the year. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Does anyone know how important it is to God that your life is transformed by the renewing of your mind? The renewing of your mind is a daily process and can only be accomplished through the presence of God. But when you got the veil there, I mean, try driving down the road like this. I dare you. Right? By yourself, right? You'd never do it. But most Christians are living life like this. Right? Because some, not, well, not most, not you. Of course not you. But some people live life like this. Like, I, okay, take me to church, but I don't want to know. I don't want to see. I don't want to understand because then I'll have to give up things, right? Oops. I don't, wanna, I don't want God to touch my heart because that means I have to stop doing and going there. I'm going to be a great grandfather. almost forgot I was behind that book. God truly desires to open up our hearts and minds to give us clarity to transform our life. The only point I'm going to give you today is this. Every home should have the veil removed. The only way the veil will come down in your home if the veil comes down in your heart. When the church comes together, we form the temple. The scripture says it. When you study Ephesians chapter 5, you'll understand Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, but Ephesians... In, in its entirety, really. But when you study it, you'll find out very clearly that, we, yeah, we are the temple of God. God resides within you. 
But when you come together with other believers in church, you ever wondered why you come to church? What's the whole purpose? I can go into that later and show you, but I want to tell you, when you read Ephesians, it says that we were once strangers and foreigners, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God, right? And we are made the temple of God, and we are fitly framed together, and every joint supplies the need, and we grow. So when you come to church... The actual church body is coming together, and this is where God abides, and God begins to use you, and you have to make a contribution of your giftings. That's why when you come here, there's a growth process. That's why this is, we have services like we do to allow the Spirit of God to move so you can make a contribution to edify and to build each other. In other words, one person's breakthrough in this environment will set a breakthrough for everybody else. One person in this place that gets healed from God has just broken the atmosphere and they can receive their healing too. One person or two people who agree can set the tone for the environment and their Jesus is in the midst of them to do his work. And everybody's been given different gifts. And as you're gifted, if you'll get under the anointing and the presence of God, you through your worship, through your words, and through your actions can make a contribution to help somebody be blessed and grow and see lives changed and see people healed and see people delivered. We see it all the time. But can I give you the bigger picture? The bigger picture is a smaller framework. That is, God wants you to duplicate this model in your home for your family. I'm going to tell you, we have church at my home. We just do. And I decided a long time ago that we're going to rip the veil down and not separate God's presence from our home. So I had the responsibility. So, so I'm going to tell you what could possibly be the veil in your home that comes through our old nature. Can I tell you what the veil could be? That veil could be Netflix. Nothing wrong with having it, I'm just, I'm just saying it could be. That veil could be alcohol and drugs maybe. Uh, only you know, keep looking forward, don't look around. That veil could be a relationship. That veil could be just, mm, should I say it? Just plain laziness. I don't have to pray. I'm good. Air conditioned. Fridge is full. Life is good. Real good. As you watch Nacho Libre. Why do I need to pray? Everything's good. I'm provided. There's a lot of things that could be stopping you from going into the presence of God that need to be brought down. And the only way to bring them down is to let God do it. It's from heaven to earth. And you got to ask God, Lord Jesus, deliver me, set me free, and Lord, put a fire inside of me and let me enter into your presence and come into my life and change me and let me be transformed, God, into your image. See, the image of God is the love of God. And the more you fall in love with God is because the more you spend time with God and the more time you've been with God, the more God people will have in their life, especially your family. 
It is God's will for every household to experience the presence of God. I'm going to tell you, in my home, the music goes up in the morning. But if you're, if you're living in my home, you won't sleep during the week past 5.30 or 6 o'clock. It just won't happen because the music will wake you up. When I was in the world, I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't raised in church. We were always wanting the best sound systems in our car and in our homes. And when I was single, I lived in an apartment with my friends. We'd have the police call to our apartment all the time because the music was loud. Okay, don't act like that never happened to you. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you and transparent with you. Because the other day I was in my house and the music was loud and I was like, oh, Lord, what if the neighbors called the police? And I thought, what am I thinking? I used to do this in the world. They hardly ever did. They wouldn't do it now. I'm just, I mean, I won't take a chance for Jesus. I'm just thinking to myself out loud right now, but I'm just telling you that I did other things in the world when it didn't make sense, but this makes sense. Now, why do I turn the music up loud in my home? Because when I'm next to my wife, I don't want to hear her praying about me. <laughs> why do we have the music up to a certain tone in the church? Because we want you to have your cone of silence so you can pray to God, whether you want to pray in the spirit or talk to God, or just relieve your burdens, or whatever it may be, and we want you to have that privacy. We set the tone by setting the lights down for that moment to set the tone. It's romancing. You're romancing the Lord. You're the, are you not the bride of Christ? Is Jesus not your husband? When we come together, you know what worship is? Worship is intimacy. We're entering the presence. There's no veil there. You're married. All the husbands say, Hallelujah. So what we've got, we have this intimate moment with God where we're allowed to come in, but God wants to transform us. But you have to create the atmosphere for transformation. And you have to know that the model of the church is really and should always be the model of the family. That's why our number one value at this church is the family. The institution of the family was established in the book of Genesis when God created Adam and Eve and then Jesus came under a new covenant and he came in as a son but referred to God as his father. The family's important to God. The reason why we have this church is to equip and help families grow in the presence of God, not in this church, but teach you in church how to have church at home. To bring the veil, to give you the blueprint for God's plan. So the instruction and, and the wisdom of God and the counsel of God and the word of God would tell us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be taken care of. Set your affections not on this world, but in the things of God, and it will transform your life. God wants the presence he had paid for for you and I because he took the veil down with his life of his only begotten son, not just so we can have an experience on a Sunday, but you can have it every day of the week in your home. And when you have the presence of God in your home, there is peace in your house. There's love in your home. There is no confusion. The other day, our sweet little neighbor, her electricity went out, and, and, and ours was on. And she came to the door and knocked on the door, and my wife answered, and she said, I'm so hot. 
in my house. Can I come over here to your house for a little bit? And we said, sure. Then she says, can I bring my dogs with me? Well, she has about 15 dogs. And if you know my wife who answered the door, my wife is a dog saver. I mean, like, I don't care. Like, if you, your dog is lost right now, ask my wife before you leave. She may have it in her purse. No joke. <laughs> She's hitting dogs from me before. What is that smell? What is that? Who is that? Whose dog is that? Well, you're not going to believe it. I just found the dog in the road. It was there by itself. It had a collar, and I called them, and they're coming on their, they're on their way. <laughs> My neighbor comes in. She sits down, and, and, and I just want to tell you, she sat down in the place where we pray every morning. Did you know that when you pray wherever your prayer time is, you, did you know this? This is crazy, but, but I want to show you something. God's presence is transferable. If it wasn't transferable, why did the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years touch the hem of the garment of Jesus and she got healed from it? You're, you know you're a carrier, right? I'm not trying to get extra biblical. I'm just trying to tell you that the river of living waters flow out of your spirit and your being. She sat right where we pray. And when she sat down, my wife told me, she said, oh, my God, there's such a peace in this home. Oh, I've never felt that like this and fell asleep. Now, I don't know if she was just pulling a fast one because she was tired and like, oh, my God, I'm going to take a nap here. It's cold. But I really believe she was sincere and she felt something. You've got to ask yourself, what do people feel when they walk in my home and what do I feel and what kind of atmosphere do I want for my family? That's what this is all about. God's after your family. And how many family members do you know of that God can change and God wants to help? You can never change your world. We went through that, 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 that organization chart that we saw and taught you, was it last week? Of how to check your place of influence and take dominion over, you, over what you're over. And it all begins with you. Then it begins with your home, right? And you, then it goes with your community. And then it goes to your, your city. And then it goes to your state and your world, Right? But some people want to bypass everything and go straight to the world and the nations and say, I'm called to the nations, but their house is a wreck. You ever try to do that and bypass the process? When you get there, there's going to be spiritual assassins that will take you out and hit your character and attack your family because you have no boundaries and there's no presence there to protect them and to keep them. Your family will fall apart and you'll either let it happen and act like nothing's happening, or you'll do something about it and establish authority and establish his presence and say with God's word behind you, devil, let go of my family. You can't have them. They're covered by the blood, and this house is called a house of prayer, and we are worshipers of God, and as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and set your foot down and establish authority. Set your foot down spiritually and establish authority. You have that right to do that. The, the litmus test for spirituality in the home is the words that you speak. I'm going to give you this. 
How do I know this? Because the words that are released in a home come are powerful because they come in the form of prayer or they'll come in the form of argument. They'll come in the form of praise or come in the form of hate. Right? Now, let me just kind of be transparent with you so you'll understand. It's, we, I have had arguments in my home with everyone in my house. Just so you'll understand, I'm not trying to stand up here and say we're perfect. Everyone's in my house has halos and we've got angel wings. That's not true. We're forgiven and we know how to pray and we know how to reconcile and we know how to put it under the blood. That's the difference. And we know how to not let the sun go down on us when we have a difference with each other. We make it right. So, you've got a choice in your home what kind of words you're going to use. But when you build momentum and the Spirit of God is having free reign in your life because of submission and a lifestyle of surrender and worship, now you have created a river out of your life and a flow to be transferable. And now it's being established within your family by you leading them. But the words of affirmation and the words that you use and the words of prayer that come out of your mouth will be taught and it's going to be the lesson. You cannot, listen to me here, just listen to it. Here's the advice I'm going to give you. And this is all advice, by the way, and the truth that comes from God's word, that's your choice to obey. But I'm doing my best to try to help you understand. We're here to help. We're here to, we're here to help you build your house. And you're not ever, no one can ever try to give rules and expect them to be just obeyed because you said it. My kids aren't going to obey me just because I say it. They're going to listen to me because they know that I love them. So rules without relationship lead to rebellion. So because I have time and love invested into them, I have the right to make a withdrawal. Because I spend time with them and pray for them, I have a right to lead them and direct them. They've seen prayers answered in my life. They've seen God answer prayers. They've seen the hand of God work. They've seen daddy walking in different areas of ministry and watch me cast out demons. Watch me pray for people that are healed. Pray over people that have the Holy Ghost. But more importantly, not just in church, they've seen it in our home. What and who you are in your home will be the exact model of what you duplicate for your children and the ref your family and your marriage. This is the challenge for everybody. Because I have to tell you, I'm still letting God work on me. I'm still letting the Spirit of God tell me what needs to be removed. What, what do I have a veil up any place in my life? You got to be transparent with God and willing to let God take it down. But if you'll stay humble and vulnerable and allow him to move, I promise you, by the humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. God will move. God will move. God will move. Somebody say, God is going to move in my home. Come on, somebody say, God, move in my house. God, move in my family. God, move. James chapter 3 says, 
Does a spring of water bubble out from fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives and or green, a, a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water out of salty, from a salty spring. If you're wise and you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous, there's a selfish ambition in your heart. Don't cover it up with the truth, with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's true. The words that you use are inspired by heaven or hell or carnality. That's just the way it is. Again, you have to understand, do you believe in God? Now, you don't have to believe in the devil, but that doesn't make him not real. But there is a devil. And when you are in your fleshly state, you have given him every tool necessary to play with your emotions. I mean, have you ever said anything out of anger before? And like, oh, my God, where did that come from? Or have you ever all of a sudden just got angry and thought, why did I get so angry? Become irritable? Bad attitude? Where is that coming from? Is the veil up? Is the veil up? That's what you have to ask yourself. That didn't come from, that didn't come from heaven. That came from someplace else. But listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. But the wisdom that comes from above, first of all, is pure. It is also peace loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Doesn't that sound good and feel good to you? You want to be a peacemaker? Do you want peace in your home? Do you want righteousness to be established? Do you want your family to be led and covered? Then take the veil down. Let God come in, and let's just become worshipers of Jesus Christ. Let's keep it simple. Let's make our homes a center place of worship. Let's build altars in our home of sacrifice and, and, and understand one thing, that we're here to serve God and worship him. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Do you agree with that? Come on, stand to your feet here this Sunday morning. I want to leave you with this one thought, and we're going to open the front, and this is what we're fixing to do. There are people that were here that were taught in the workshop that want the spirit baptism. And if you're here today and you need the spirit baptism, and you feel like this is, this is I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready to do this, I'm ready to receive, then we want you to come. We want you to come down right now. If you're here this morning and you need deliverance from the veil, something that's in your life, then we'll pray for you also. Those that want the spirit baptism, come to the right. Those that need deliverance, come to the left. My left, my right. We've seen God do this many times, and we always make room for the spirit of God. But here's what I want to leave you with. If we love our home, you see, everyone can have a house, but not everybody has a home. What makes a home, what makes a house a home is the presence of God. It's the love of God. If we love our home, let's keep the veil down and His presence strong in our life. Will you just make this your prayer right now with me? Say, Lord Jesus, fill me. Fill me to the top. Fill me, dear God. Fill me with your presence. Fill my home. Fill my marriage. Fill my family. 
God, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus as we surrender to you, make our hearts tender. Make our hearts tender to you. Make our hearts tender to you right now. We're fixing to walk out of here and we're fixing to, to see God do something in this moment. So if you will, I want you to stretch out your hands toward these that are up here right now and I want you to participate if you will. Pray in the spirit and just allow God to move in this moment right now. Because we're going to pray that God would baptize and that God would deliver and set free. And it doesn't matter what it is. God knows. But we're a church family. We're here to experience the freedom of God. If you have that burden right now, we want you to just stretch out your hands and let's pray together. Let's see God in action. Let's do that. Will you begin to pray in the spirit right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just begin to move. These two know what to do. I had a discussion with them before church. They know exactly what to do. What I want you two to do right now is just begin to worship. Just begin to worship right now. And I'm going to come down. Those of you that are over here, I want you to pray for them. Caleb, pray for them. And I want you to pray the baptism of the Holy Spirit on them. They're going to receive it right now. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, Haley. Begin to play. Let's set the tone right now, just whatever it may be. Father, we pray right now that you would move in this place, that you would have your way, that you would begin to begin, God, to pour your spirit out in this moment right now. We ask you, God, in this moment from wall to wall, from ceiling to ground, that you would begin to let the spirit of the Lord begin to move, begin to transform lives, begin, Father. We don't need anything else but your presence right now. So we say, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.